Well, you can grab a seat. Just a quick little update. Some of you have been asking about Pastor Matt. If you were here last weekend, uh, we were mentioning that uh, this may be news to you, but um, Pastor Matt's uh, mother, uh, her name's Mary, she passed away about a week and a half ago. They had a service for her this past Monday in Monroeville, Alabama. Um, Heard great reports about the amazing time that that was. Uh, Matt was scheduled to be back here this weekend, uh, but we said, hey, take, take another weekend, take some extra time. Uh, we've got the bases covered here. We'll see you next weekend. So um, if you had been n- noticing in the worship guide uh, the topic and the text that he was going to be preaching on, he will pick that up next weekend. We're not going to skip over that. We'll just continue uh, with what he was going to be preaching on next weekend, so come back for that. Quickly, though, a recap of where we've been the last few weeks. We've been going through a series where we're looking at what it means uh, to be fully alive this year as a church, as a congregation. What does that look like for us? In fact, week one of this this mini-series actually was the last weekend of 2018. Pastor Jeremy uh, preached that weekend on the Great Commission, Matthew 28, this great text where Jesus is declaring to the disciples and to those that were listening and to the church timelessly for us today, what does it mean for us to be with each other, motivated by the promise and assurance that Jesus gave us in that text, I will be with you to the end of the age. That's what Jesus assured us. He will be with us in 2019. That was how we ended 18. Week two, last week, and we looked at the great commandment. What does it mean to love God and love others? What are the barriers that we put up uh, in in, uh, ignoring this call that Jesus has, this declaration? We talked about the way we sabotage uh, ourselves, our relationships, the way we often uh, look to control the people around us, manipulate the situation. We do everything we can to avoid pain and hurt, and in the end, we actually end up missing the fullness of what Jesus offered, even as he modeled what it meant to sacrifice and give his life. And so we talked about what's going to be the main thing for 2019, and the main thing is going to be love. It's not new. It's not something we're reinventing. It's the same timeless declaration that God has been given us since Genesis. That's who we are. That's what we're going to continue to be about. This weekend, we're looking at a great example, an encounter, a Jesus encounter, where we're going to take a peek at a real uh, example of, of the way he interacted with someone specifically, and what does that teach us for today? How does this first century story uh, model for us and give us principles of what we should be experiencing and going through as we're exploring what it means to be fully alive in Jesus? So we're going to look at that. In fact, we're going to read a text from Luke chapter 19. That's where the story takes place. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there in your worship guides. You can also follow along on the screens. We're going to read, I'm going to read this, uh, this narrative, and then at the end of it, I'm going to sing you a song, and that's true. I am going to sing a solo. Um, I've blown everybody away so far, uh, standing ovations, the worship team's begging me uh, to join them now, but I'm holding them off. But we're, I'm going to sing a song here at the end. This is also a good point in which you can try to dig around your purse and find some cotton or some, you know, bubblegum wrapper that you can stick in your ears, just forewarning. Here's how the story goes. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, which 
I'm sure Zacchaeus loves that in the canon of Scripture, um, bound in, in our leather Bibles, uh, he's, he's labeled forever as the short guy. Um, but it's an important detail that Luke puts in there. He, because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner, scandalous. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That last piece of text in yellow there, um, biblical scholars actually highlight that. If you're a person that likes to highlight in your Bible or put a star, they, they actually earmark this as the verse that is, is the big Lucan theme of, of the entire gospel that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And we're going to see that in this example, in the story of Zacchaeus. Now, I grew up in a tradition where there was what we called Sunday school. How many of you went to Sunday school by your church background, denomination? Yeah, can't think of a worse thing to invite kids to than come to school on Sunday. It's not enough that you were tortured Monday through Friday, but come back on Sunday. We have more school for you. I, I never could understand why this was the case. In fact, I have um, a nephew. He's uh, married with kids now, but um, Seth, what he would do, uh, because he hated Sunday school so much, and what made the story even better was his dad, my uncle, was a pastor. My aunt and uncle would dress the kids, you know, before, before church so that they could go and get ready themselves, but Seth would go and um, strip down naked and hide because he knew that would, that would delay things and it would make them late to get to Sunday school because who wants to go to school on Sunday? Um, but Sunday school is where I learned a lot of songs, a lot of stories of who Jesus is. Maybe you are familiar with a song, a timeless classic and it simply is entitled Zacchaeus. Catchy, huh? How many of you know this song? You heard it growing up. Great, because I'm going to invite you to sing along with me. Um, so it's not a total solo. It's a song that has motions like all good kids songs do. And I've kind of been watching um, from service to service. Some of you know some motions that I, I had forgotten. But um, I, will, I will do the best I can to, to remember the motions. Um, Forewarning, it's a song that um, you don't want to start too high in because um, it, it, it gets really bad for, for, for me or for you. You don't want to start too low either. I tried going low, and, uh, and that has an equally weird effect as well. So here we go. I think I've said enough. I'm trying to delay singing, but let's do this. Are you ready? Here's the lyrics. We don't want to mess this up. It's like the Star Spangled Banner. You cannot mess up the lyrics. Here we go. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree, for the Lord he wanted to see. As the Savior passed him by, 
He looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Yeah, give a hand to the fabulous choral section out there. Why do kids love this song so much? Let's look at just a few highlights. First of all, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. I think the, the word wee says it all, doesn't it? Um, those of us that, that are short, and it, I, you know, I'm not going to call anybody out. I did the Saturday night service. It's not just kids. Some of us as adults kind of hit a wall, right? And it's frustrating not being able to see over people. Kids understand that. So they love this song because it's frustrating, man. I cannot see. Um, He climbed up in a sycamore tree. Kids love climbing. They love the curiosity, the adventure. Kids love the idea of an adult, a grown man, who would climb a tree to see Jesus. Um, This part where where Zacchaeus, you come down, you might have noticed if you're not familiar with this great melody, it's, it's not a piece that you actually sing. It's a piece that you shout. Why? Because kids are so annoyed at being told what to do all the time, right? And so this is their moment. When you're in Sunday school and all the kids are together, man, you should hear them shout because they're tired of being bossed around. They want to boss somebody else. They love that moment. Going to your house today. My daughter had a friend over, sleep over Friday night. Um, It's a big moment when kids have friends over. They understand um, the importance of that, the creating the space, the snacks that we had to buy, getting an extra bed ready, the hospitality, creating the environment so that they could have the best time that night. Kids love the idea, and they understand what it means to have this wonderful moment of having someone as a guest over to your house. And so what we want to do is unpack this further and look, again, what does it mean from the first century to the 21st century? What can we learn from what would be seemingly such a simple Bible story. One of those that's sort of um, in the classics. You know, Jesus walking on water, turning the water into wine. Zacchaeus is one of those that lands in that legendary status of stories that once you hear once, you can't ever forget. What do we learn from that today? What I wanna do is look at a couple key words and, and highlight on the setting. What was taking place? Why did, why did Luke uh, emphasize a couple of the, the, the specific words that he did, and, and specifically, what's the setting here, sort of the subtext of what's happening, and so let's look at that. First of all, what is in Jericho? Uh, it says that Jesus is passing through Jericho. It actually wasn't a, a point of destination for him. He was on his way to Jerusalem. Jer- Jerusalem would have still been another 17 miles journey. And so we don't know what time of day that, that Jesus and the disciples were coming through this city, uh, but they were, it was a passing through. It's, it was a city that was a great hub of activity, a vibrant city. Um, you can look at it in the back of your Bible, or you can Google it later. It was a strategic border location, the region that, w- that it was in. In fact, it was such a hub of a place that um, even Herod the Great had some of his winter palaces there. Um, it was an economic center, a major custom center, probably because one of the biggest things that they produced regionally in that area, agriculturally, was this product, balsam, that came uh, sort of a sap, a, a, a residue that would come from trees that was used uh, as an ointment 
uh, for sores, for cuts, for wounds, uh, as a pain reliever. And so it was, a, it was a city that exported this. And so it was a lucrative place, a lot of great wealth. People traveled there for jobs and for employment and, and for a place to make a living. So that's the setting that Jesus is traveling through. But who is this person, Zacchaeus? Luke is careful to note that he was a chief tax collector and that he was wealthy. Now, being a chief tax collector in that day and age uh, was a great occupation, but Luke is emphasizing here a wealth that came uh, by way of um, manipulation and and abuse of power. Zacchaeus, as a chief tax collector, would have overseen a district, overseen a staff who had been uh, about the business of going out and collecting the taxes for for the Romans. And as you can imagine, um, what he did above board was he collected taxes. What he did sort of under the table was if a situation occurred where a family or a person was not able to pay their taxes, he could then uh, blackmail them, put them in a situation where he could take resources from them Um, in order for them to avoid imprisonment, and that then helped him accumulate great wealth. And so what Luke is actually emphasizing here is is sort of who Zacchaeus was in his eyes, in Zacchaeus' eyes, and in the eyes of the community. He was a scoundrel. He was a villain of that community. And apparently, he was pretty good at it because people knew who he was, they knew of his reputation. I love this image, I've been looking at it this week a lot. Um, You may not be able to see it in great detail on the screen, but it's also in your worship guide. This painting uh, by Niels Larsen Stevens, he's a Dutch painter from the early 1900s. I love the emphasis that that the artist, uh, the detail of capturing some of the faces of those who were at this intersection where this encounter was taking place. You might observe uh, there's a handful of people looking back at Jesus, kind of a young man there sort of on the forefront. Others looking around, peeking around, looking over because they're astonished at this spontaneous moment in which this rabbi, this teacher who they've heard about has come into their city And one of the first things he's done is he has reached out and acknowledged a scoundrel. And they're surprised by it. But there's other reactions too. The the guy in the green there, uh, he's not the only one. I think I counted two or three others who are seeing the situation and they're so disgusted by what they are observing. They're looking the other direction. They can't imagine that somebody who was a rabbi, a holy one, what Pastor Jeremy talked about earlier, the, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with skin on, how could he be so holy, so perfect, so pure, and yet reach out to somebody that was notorious and infamous in their city? But what I've especially grown to love about this painting is imagining Zacchaeus up on that limb. What was going through his mind? This is a grown man. You can imagine with his wealth and his status, who he was, how he was known in that city. This is a man with a big ego, with pride. What is it that caused Zacchaeus, knowing that Jesus was entering into that city, to have such humility as to climb up a tree as a grown man? 
Maybe he was hoping nobody would see him, that he could kind of go unobserved and just check out and see if some of the things that he had heard uh, from others, the stories of Jesus, the miracles, maybe just by catching a a glimpse of Jesus or hearing, overhearing a conversation, he could begin to understand a little bit more about who this was. I think what was happening with Zacchaeus is that he had reached a point in his life where he had accumulated so much wealth, he had tried so many ways of finding significance and value and finding his identity in the things that he did, that he had come to a place in his life where many of us have come, maybe we are there right now, and we've come to a place of crisis where we're reevaluating who are we, And in fact, I think there are three questions that Zacchaeus was wrestling with. I would venture to say everyone in this room has wrestled with one of these this week, if not today. Three lies that the enemy uses that I believe were very prominent in the life of Zacchaeus on that day as he was encountering Jesus. These lies are that I am what I have. I am what I do, my identity who I am in significance and value. I am what other people say or think about me. Think about that for a second. How often do we buy into those lies? I am what I have, the car that I drive, the car that my neighbor drives, the car that I wish that I drove, the things that I possess, the house. I want a bigger house. I want a house in this location. Um, The way I look My value is in in how I dress, how I appear before others. Um, What I do, my grades, if I'm getting straight A's, the the great sense of worth that I have in that, the moment that I slip up and my grades start falling apart, how I feel after that, what my boss says about me, meetings that I get invited to, meetings that I get left out of, my title, my status, my office space, who I am in my neighborhood, all of those things, including what other people say or think about me. How often do we wake up and we're on a fairly good path that day and all it takes is a phrase, a short sentence, a slight, a misinterpretation from somebody and all of a sudden our value and our dignity, our joy is robbed because we put so much value in what they said about us instead of understanding who we are in the eyes of the creator. That is the situation that Zacchaeus found himself in. It's why this story is so timeless and significant for us today. So what I wanna do is go through three, three actions, three moments of what was taking place here with Zacchaeus and how it transcends time and, and generation and geography and it impacts us today. I'm gonna to just talk about these briefly. The first is transformation. If we're gonna experience full life in the way that Jesus is inviting us, in the way that he invited Zacchaeus, there's a transformation that has to occur, an inward change that has to take root, has to take effect inside of us. It's not something that somebody else can do for us, it's something that has to happen within each of us. I was thinking about um, this, this word, this transformation. It's, it's scripturally, there's a couple words that are used in the Bible to describe this, the first of which Jesus used when he said to Zacchaeus, when Zacchaeus made that that inward change, salvation had come to Zacchaeus. And with salvation came conversion. Zacchaeus had been moving in one direction, had been 
trying all the ways of the world, all the ways in which others said he would find success and value and worth. And in a moment, in this encounter with his creator, made a 180, made a pivot, made an about face, and began to focus on who he was in the eyes of Jesus instead of who he thought he was or who other, other people thought he was. And so he was experiencing this sense of, of inward change, of conversion, that not only happens once and for all of eternity, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, we are eternally secure in God's hands. We are a part of his family. Nothing can separate us. The scriptures are clear on that. But there's also an ongoing transformation that takes place that all of us are going through, what the scriptures refer to as sanctification, the way we are growing more and more daily in the image of Jesus. I got to see conversion take place uh, very, very visibly last month. Um, it was Christmas morning, and uh, we got up. It was early. We made c- coffee, needed lots of coffee, got the kids together, and we have a daughter who's uh, 16, Emerson, and a son, Wyatt, who's nine. We started opening presents, and, and I pulled out from under the tree a, pr- a gift that was about, about this big, um, and it did not have a, a, a tag on it, who it was to or who it was from. And I'm looking at my wife, Addie, and I'm like, where did this come from? Like, did you... Did you put this under the tree? Um, my daughter, who's 16, I asked her, and she had no idea. And Wyatt is like, I don't know where that came from. So we just stuck it back under the tree. We opened to the other presents, and then we sort of went on with our morning and forgot about the one gift. It was the only gift still wrapped, sitting under the tree, because we didn't know what to do with it. Like, where did this thing come from? So later, all of a sudden, a light bulb goes off, and I realize there's something that we had bought Wyatt that we didn't open. And, and I think it's that gift. So I go back and I pull it out from the, under the tree and I look at it and I go to my wife and I said, I think, I think this is this little Bluetooth speaker that we bought for Wyatt for his room. Um, and I think I know what's happened. You kind of analyze the wrapping. Um, lots of scotch tape. Lots of scotch tape covering this thing. Um, you know... We're, we're pretty careful about how we wrap. We want things to look pretty under the tree. We cut real nicely. This was, there was a lot of tears that were re-scotch taped. And, and all of a sudden, we're like, okay. So I said, let me get, let me, I'll talk to Wyatt. I go into his room. He's playing. And I say, hey, buddy, I think I, I, think I know what this gift is. And he's like, huh. Um, I said, I think it's actually a gift for you. Um, and and I think you already know what's in here. And he looks at me like, are you crazy? How, would I, how in the world would I know what's in that, underneath that wrapping? And I said, buddy, I think what happened was you opened this before Christmas, didn't you? And the countenance. I mean, you talk about a physical change in body posture. I mean, he went from this to this. And his face just looked downward, and he started breaking into tears. By the way, I did get permission from him to share this story. It took some finagling. Um, but we were in the car yesterday. I was driving. We were, my wife and I were driving him to a soccer game. And I, and I thought, okay, it's Saturday. I'm going to be preaching. I, 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 I got to ask him permission to share this story. I asked him. He's like, no way. You cannot tell that story. No way. And I sort of said to him, well, here's, what I, here's why I want to tell it, and I think it, I think it could help some other people. And we, we kind of processed that a little bit. And before we got to the game, he said to me, you know what? 
I think why it's okay for you to share that story is because it's kind of what we do as a family. We talk it out, we work it out, and we hug it out. And I was like, you're right, buddy. That's, that's exactly what we do. This encounter that Jesus had with Zacchaeus, when he went to his house that evening, knowing that Jesus still had 17 miles to travel, it is, though it doesn't say it in the text, most likely uh, Jesus would have been staying the night at, in Zacchaeus' home. You can imagine the talking out, the working out. And I've got to imagine that that next morning before Jesus left, there was some hugging out that took place. That's what transformation looks like. It's an inward experience that we have that affects a removing of, of the masks. In fact, listen to this scripture from 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says this, And we all, Zacchaeus, Wyatt, you and I, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image, Christ's image, with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This whole idea of an unveiled face. It actually reconnects to the Old Testament when Moses stood before the Lord and had an unveiled, removed sense of presence before God. That whole idea of an unveiled face, you think about Zacchaeus and his situation, the masks that he wore, this personality that he was trying to disguise and hide. Even the word personality, the English word personality, uh, the Latin uh, root for that comes from the word mask, personality, the way we try to hide and, and deflect and keep others from knowing who we are because frankly, we don't know who we are. All we know is that we're trying one thing after another, just like Zacchaeus, and it's working for a moment or for a month, but then it comes up empty-handed. What does it mean for us to be transformed in the image of Christ? And when we make that 180, we begin to understand our identity eternally and who Jesus says we are, which affects the present, which gets to this next piece. To be fully alive means there's an outward response, an outward action that has to take place. This word reconciliation. Some of us have gone through phases, maybe we know others who like to say, my faith is private. I believe in God, but this is sort of just my thing. It's not really something I make public. It's an okay statement to make. It's just not what's in the Bible. Scripture teaches us that the inward change, the transformation that's happening within us must result in outward action. It must impact positively and influence those that are around us. That's the result is reconciliation. This scripture from 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 19 says this. Again, if anyone, Zacchaeus, Wyatt, you, me, is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That's what Zacchaeus discovered. It wasn't just something that he could have experienced in this encounter with Christ. It impacted how he then took his wealth and redistributed it, how he took the way he had earned that wealth 
And it says he gave back four times. Even biblically, that's more than what was ever required. There was this great sense of of generosity that welled up within him. There was a reconciling that had to take place as a result of the change that had taken place in Zacchaeus. And finally, this last word, reorientation, this upward affection. It's what happens to every one of us when we encounter Christ and we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to transform us. It changes our countenance. There's a repentance. There's a sense of restoration taking place. And it affects how we view God. We're reminded of how He views us in Christ. And it changes the way we then walk and work and operate in our schools, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, it changes how we do everything. There's so many scriptures that, um, that I could have picked for this, and I didn't actually put one on a slide, but Psalm 29, 1 to 2, and many of the scriptures in Psalms, there's this sense of what happens when we experience this transformation. We then want to ascribe to the Lord the glory, the worth that is due to his name. Ascribe to the Lord the glory and the splendor of his holiness. You could check that out. That's what happens. It's not just actions. Our love for the people around us, it's not just an altruistic thing that we do in response to trying to do a good work. It's motivated by God's glory and wanting to point to his son Jesus and let others experience what we've not only experienced once, but we continue to experience every day. There's a story that, uh, that I heard um, a while back, and uh, it actually highlights this whole idea, this, this, this trans, transformation that took place with Zacchaeus from going from being a taker to being a giver. There's a story of, it happened back in the 40s, it was a time period when um, Germany was divided between the East and the West. Some of you remember that time period. I'm looking at some faces in here. You weren't born yet. Um, But Germany was not always one country. It was divided by the Berlin Wall. And during that time period, especially in the early days when the wall was being constructed, there was great animosity between the two sides. They were, one, previously, communities together, families together, and all of a sudden a wall was dividing and ripping apart those relationships. And, and it caused great anger, and there was pride and ego involved, and, and one side thought the other side had a better political system, had a better way of doing life. And so there was tensions continuously emerging between the two. And in the early stages of the wall being built, There's a story that's told of of what the East Germans decided they would do in order to sort of prove a point to the West Germans um, of of what they thought of the West Germans and sort of how they viewed them. And so as the story goes, uh, those from the East, there was a group that got together and they decided that they were going to pick a night um, coming up where they were going to take all the the, the, uh, garbage trucks and they would find a place where they could go across uh, in, in, in the wall. And quietly in the middle of the night when everyone was asleep, they would go over. And what they did is they dumped all their trash in a strategic location in the middle of the square where they knew everyone in the west in that city would wake up and see the next day. Sure enough, the sun comes up 
And on the west side, before they could even see what had happened, they could smell what was up, and they could go out of their houses, and they see this massive pile of trash and debris and food that is rotting and, and just the worst kind of stench. And they had to have trucks and equipment come in, but they couldn't do it quick enough. And so neighbors came out and were helping shovel and, and get rid of all this, this debris. And with every shovel, you can imagine, it just made them more and more angry. And so what did they want to do? Retaliate, of course, right? And you never just retaliate, just, well, well, let's just find an equal amount of trash to dump. And it's retaliation, you always have to at least do twice as much, right? So a group got together and started coming up with a plan and tried to decide what are we going to do back to them on the other side of this wall. So they came up with an idea, and it took them some time to, to put their idea into action. They picked a day, and finally they had, they had everything together, and they waited till the middle of the night when the east was asleep, and they snuck over, and they put their pile on their side and snuck back over. When they got back over, they waited to see what would happen, and on that pile was a sign, but what was actually in the pile was the finest cheeses, the finest sausages, the finest beer and wine and craftsmanship from the West, the things that they took the most pride in creating, the things that they were known for. They created a pile twice as high as the pile of trash that was put on their side. And on it, in a big sign in German, facing those that would be waking up, was this sign. You can only give what you have. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree, thanks be to God, that we don't get what we deserve? It's because of Jesus that we can actually be reconciled to God the Father. It's because of Jesus that we can be a gift to others. In fact, what we realize in this story, as Zacchaeus moved from being a taker to a giver, is we're reminded that Jesus is the greatest of givers. He is the gift himself. That's what the transformation is all about.